Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. We have been in this message series uh, called Redemption um, over the last few weeks. Today is week four, and if you're new to it, the, the series is really about um, you know, we're leading up to Easter, you know, and so we're in the season of Lent right now. Um, and you know, Lent is really all about remembering um, the temptation and the struggles and the sacrifice that Jesus made ultimately up to Easter Sunday, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so what we're doing is exploring different um, different passages of scripture all throughout the Bible that talk about this idea of redemption and how it's been weaved all the way through the Bible, ultimately leading to Jesus. And so um, we have been exploring various stories, we talked about the prodigal son story. We talked about Abraham rescuing Lot, um, you know, various different stories that all highlight different aspects of redemption. Well, today we're going to continue that um, by talking about, um, which is interesting, Aubrey, that you brought it up today, um, the people of Israel. Today we're going to be talking about the Israelites and how they were rescued from Egypt in the um, uh, in, in the Exodus. And so I want to give a little brief just background on that. And then we're going to just kind of talk about how it really mirrors um, who we are as, uh, as believers in Jesus Christ and how the Exodus really is a foundational piece um, to what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. So the Exodus itself, um, how many of you have ever like heard or read the story of the Exodus in, in the Bible or heard of it? So it's popularized in the Disney adaptation, Prince of Egypt. How many of you have seen that movie, The Prince of Egypt? <laughs> Probably more people. Um, or if you're old, um, Charlton Heston's The Ten Commandments. How many of you have seen that movie? Oh, wow. We've got like three. Okay, it's a few of us. All right. Um, so The Ten Commandments is a, uh, I'm sorry, that in its own right, the whole thing, um, both of those tell the story of the people of Israel um, really being freed from captivity. And it's one of the defining stories of scripture because what it does is it tells the tale of the Israelite people and their deliverance from Egypt. Um, and the entire narrative of the Exodus reverberates all the way throughout the rest of scripture um, as a story of redemption because God is constantly reminding his people after he sets them free um, of who he is and thus who they are because of it when he says to them, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt out of the house of slavery. So like every time, like so many times throughout the Bible in the Old Testament, particularly when he talks to his people, either through a prophet or a king, he says, I am the Lord your God who has rescued you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Like he reminds them of who he is and who they are. Um, and so what I want to do is explore the Exodus today. And I want to discover how it really shapes um, our understanding of God's redemption. And it really sets a huge foundation for Easter. Um, and so the Exodus actually takes place 430 years after the end of the book of Genesis. So if you read Genesis and it's the Garden of Eden story and you see Abraham and, and his kids and sort of all of that. And then it ends with the story of Joseph, his, one of his youngest kids um, in Egypt. They had went there because of a great famine, and so they're there. And then Joseph becomes like uh, a high-level commander in the, uh, in the government of Egypt. And then the story kind of ends, right? That's where Genesis ends. And then Exodus 1 picks up 400 years later. 
And now all of a sudden the Israelites are in slavery. So the Pharaoh who liked Joseph and all of that and let the Israelite people come um, and kind of reside in their, in their neighborhood, he passed away and a new Pharaoh came and he hated them. He thought that they were just like, kind of like immigrants today, right? We see like there's this, this, this feeling of, you know, people coming into our country and, and, and taking our resources. There is this very real feeling by some people in our country. And so this Pharaoh had a similar viewpoint of that these people are not producing anything. They're not helping anything. In fact, they're growing, they're taking over. And so he puts them into slavery and they endure these horrible conditions for 400 years. And so Exodus begins in 430 years after, and they have been forced into slavery by the Egyptians. They've endured brutal work conditions. They've endured violence and they've endured even genocide. The, the Pharaoh actually um, passed a law that, that went out to kill all of the, the young boys of the Jewish people uh, under the age of two and killed them all, threw them into the river and all awful, awful things in order to keep them from rising up and multiplying. And so for 400 years, these conditions had deteriorated. And out of that depths of helplessness, out of that depths of slavery in that place, they call out to God. The, the Israelite people are like, God, where are you? Much like people feel today, right? You know, not to the magnitude necessarily, but there are a lot of people who are in a place of, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why, why is this virus spreading? How, 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 what is happening? Like, help us. Maybe even in personal circumstances, you don't feel like you're financially stable or, you know, uh, a sickness or an illness or something. God, help me, help me, help me, right? So the people of Israel were crying out. And they cry out, and what happens is that God answers by raising up a leader, and his name is Moses. And so if you follow the story through, Moses famously confronts the, uh, the Pharaoh, and he demands, let my people go. That's the famous you know, like line from, from all these different movies, and let my people go. But Pharaoh refuses to do so. He's stubborn. And so God sends these plagues you know, to show his power. And ultimately to highlight the stubbornness of Pharaoh, you know, his unwillingness to, 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 um, to be underneath the authority of God. And, to, um, and it highlights God's overwhelming power, his great power to rescue. And so on the final night of the plagues, on the final night of those plagues, God gives instructions to his people for what is about to happen to them. Because he tells them to get ready because they're about to be rescued. And so we're going to pick up the story now in Exodus chapter 12. So if you guys have your Bibles, open them up to Exodus chapter 12. And there's a whole big chunk of Exodus, chapter 12, verses 1 to 32. But we're going to read in pieces. Parts of this are going to be omitted, so I'll just kind of help you follow along. But we're going to read through, and you're going to see now, like, how this story, how the people cried out to God. They need help. God's going to rescue them, and we're going to see how that mirrors what Jesus Christ has done to redeem us as people. So Exodus chapter 12, it's the second book of the Old Testament. Verse 1 begins here. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month is to be the beginning of months for you. It is the first month of your year. 
tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, they must each select an animal of the flock according to their father's families, one animal per family. Verse five, you must have an unblemished animal, a year old male. Verse six, then the entire assembly of the community of Israel will slaughter the animals at midnight. So they gathered this animals up, found a perfect unblemished animal, and then they're going to slaughter it and have it as a meal that night. Verse seven, they must take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses. So there's, you know, it's a little bit gross. It's not really our kind of society nowadays, but what you would do is you would, you know, slaughter the animal and you would, you would empty the blood into like a bucket. And then what God is saying is I want you to take that blood and wipe it on the doorposts. Right. And we're going to see why here in a minute. It says you are to put it on the doorposts and on the houses where you eat them. Verse eight, they are to eat the meat that night. They should eat it roasted over the fire along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, which you can tell that's how they do the, the Passover celebration even today. Verse 11, here is how you must eat it. This is so interesting. You must be dressed for travel, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Can you imagine that sitting there like Gandalf, like, you know, like eating this like meal? I don't know, it's weird. You are to eat it in a hurry. It is the Lord's Passover. All right, I want you to notice that last sentence real quick. Be dressed for travel. Eat it in a hurry. God is telling them right here, be ready to go because I'm rescuing you tonight. Like, be ready to go. Like, he gave them instructions and said, be dressed. Don't be in your pajamas. Don't go to bed. Something's going to happen, and you got to be ready to go. Verse 12, he says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I'm going to strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both people and animals. I am the Lord. I will execute judgments against all the gods of Egypt. In other words, enough is enough. Pharaoh has not listened. I'm about to do what you've cried out. The blood on the houses where you're staying. So because you put the blood over the doorposts where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. And when I see that blood, I will pass over you. I will pass over your house. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And we're going to skip all the way down to verse 24. Keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord God has given you, that he has promised, you are to observe this ceremony. And here's an important key. When your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? Papa, why do we do this every year? You ought to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck them down and spared our homes. And then verse 29, we're almost done here with our scripture. So here's what happens. Now at midnight, the Lord struck every firstborn male in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and every firstborn of the livestock. And during the night, Pharaoh got up, he along with all his officials and all the Egyptians, and there was a loud wailing throughout Egypt because there wasn't a single house without someone dead, except for the Israelites. He summoned Moses and Aaron during the night, and he said, get out immediately. Remember, be dressed, 
have your sandals on your feet, get out immediately from among my people, both you and the Israelites, and go. Worship the Lord as you have said. Take even your flocks and your herds. And he asked them to leave. All right. That was a lot of scripture. Thank you for your patience with it. But this story that we just see right here reverberates all throughout scripture. We see from this moment right here that God is setting the tone for what Jesus would do on the cross as we're about to celebrate Easter in a few weeks. God rescues these slaves from bondage and he calls them his own children. And later on, he says it over and over again. I am the Lord your God who rescued from the house of Egypt, from the house of slavery. You are my children. And they are redeemed. He purchased them back. And so what we just read here was the origins of the Jewish annual Passover celebration. Every year, Passover is celebrated because God passed over their houses and protected them. And so we see this story of redemption, right? This road leading up to Easter. And this is one of those foundational steps because the Exodus narrative foreshadows God's redeeming work through his son Jesus as the Passover lamb that is sacrificed and provides freedom from the slavery of sin. And so what I want to do real quickly is I want to talk about three effects, three effects of Jesus's sacrifice as the Passover lamb. And you're going to see these similarities here. Number one is protected by sacrifice. Verse 13 of what we just read said that the sacrifice of an animal put the blood on the doorpost, protected them from the wrath that was coming in uh, against the rest of Egypt, right? And so there was a distinguishing mark, a distinguishing mark on, on, on the doorpost. It says it will be a distinguishing mark. And for us, the same thing is true. Jesus gives his life on the cross, and the blood that was shed, the Bible says, covers our sin. It's a distinguishing mark. And there's all these songs that are about it, you know, like the blood that washes you clean. It's this symbolism here that, that matters. Like that, that's why we celebrate communion. It's this idea of, of the sacrifice that protects us. It, it, it buys us back. It purchases us. And so just like the, the, the lamb or the goat that was slaughtered, and, and made for a meal, that blood that covers the doorpost covers over us and creates a space for us to be purchased back. It creates a space for us to be protected against, um, against evil, against wrath. That's, that's what it is. Jesus' death on the cross is a protection um, that, that is offered to us and ultimately what sets us free. So that's the first one. But the second one is a new beginning. You notice in the very beginning, verse 2 what does it say? He, he gives instructions and says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month is to be the beginning of months for you. In other words, forget your entire calendar. Everything that you, the time that you had before it, I'm setting a new calendar. Time starts right now, right? And so the same thing happens in the New Testament. It says that when Jesus Christ when we, when we say yes to Christ, when we say, yes, I want to be uh, forgiven, I believe you are the Son of God, I believe that you rose from the dead, what the Bible is, says right there is that when you are baptized, right, that idea of like saying I'm, I'm going underneath and I'm rising again in a new life, it says you are a new creation. Like time starts over for you now. So as a believer in Jesus, not only does the Exodus story reverberate through the protection that comes from the blood, but also a new beginning for you. 
that no matter what happened in your past, no matter what you have done before, no matter what people called you, no matter what, you know, where you've come from, your socioeconomic status, the color of your skin, um, the things that you have been called by people, the labels upon you, your criminal background, um, nothing, none of it matters. Now, time starts over. It's almost like you've got a new birthday, you know, and not to be, you know, there are people out there who do that, you know, they have like a Christ birthday thing or whatever. And I'm not saying you got to be that literal, but this is significant. It says that you are a new creation, a new beginning. You should, there's an element of significance that comes from when you begin to walk in a relationship with God, that now, now like you start to, to count time based on how long it's been since you've known Jesus. And you can, you, you should be able to look back and see how your life is different because of that, you know, and, and celebrate that. And so a new, new beginning, new creation comes from that. We're no longer slaves, as we sang in that song. I love that, Aubrey. I don't even, you didn't even know we were singing, doing this, this scripture today, at least as far as I'm aware. And so here we are, right? Like seeing the Exodus story where they've called out to God, God, help us, rescue us from slavery. There's nothing we can do. We're oppressed. We're stuck in all of this. And God sets them free. And because of Jesus' death and sacrifice that covers over us, we have a new beginning, and now we are no longer slaves. We're set free as children of God. So the effects of Jesus' sacrifice is the Passover lamb. It's not only protected by sacrifice, but it also gives us a new beginning. And the third is a constant remembrance. A constant remembrance and identity. If we look in verses 24 to 27, what does it say? He says, keep this command permanently. Keep it permanently as a statute for you and for your descendants. Because when you enter that land that I promised you, you are to observe this ceremony. This sounds a lot like communion, right? Like every day as you do this, as you eat the Lord's Supper, as you eat the bread and you eat the cup, do this in remembrance of me. And why? Verse 26, when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the house of Israel in Egypt when he struck them down and spared our homes. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who set you free. Jesus is saying, I am the one who purchased you from sin. You believe in me. Now do this in remembrance of me. So every time that we, that we partake of communion, communion is, is a moment just like the Israelites. It's like a Passover meal. And when you eat the bread and when you drink the cup, what you're doing is, is you're saying, I remember what Jesus accomplished on the cross for me. I remember what he has set me free from. So in other words, it's like when he told his people, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt, you could insert yourself and you could say, God is saying to me, I am the Lord your God who, who set you free from addiction. I am the, the Lord your God who has set you free from the labels of the world that's put on you. I am the Lord your God who set you free from anxiety, who has set you free from sexual addiction or from pornography or from um, financial ruin, or I am the God who has set you free from divorce. I'm the God who has set you free from physical illness or any number of things that you looked at your life was marked as before your relationship with Christ, before you knew God, before you were called a child of God. 
And when we take communion, every day that we, you know, whether it's physically taking communion or just getting up in the morning and reading our Bible, you know, just taking some time to just, just close out the world and put our headphones in and listen to some Spotify worship and just singing songs, kind of like we did this morning. We shut everybody else out and we just sang songs. You are remembering who God is to you and what you are in his presence and who he says that you are. It's a constant remembrance and identity. Remember who you are. And that's so important when it comes to redemption. Like, he didn't just pay the bill and then walk away. He is here. He is present. He is with us right now. And so when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, when we serve people, like I had mentioned today, the opportunity we have to buy, you know, gift cards for, for people who are financially struggling and, 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 and can't buy groceries, or now at least they could divert some funds that they have to, to, to something else that's needed, and now they can buy groceries. Or, and we volunteer to go help Gary and Gail and to maybe buy you know, some, some cans of, of Coke and some candy or, you know, and tissues and whatever she might need. And we take them, whether she gives us money or we buy it ourselves, we are remembering who Christ is and what he has done for us as we serve other people. Do this in remembrance of me. We are protected by sacrifice. We're protected by Jesus. We're called his children. We've been purchased because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We have a new beginning when we step into a relationship with him. We are no longer slaves. We are no longer those people anymore. And we will constantly remember who Jesus is and what he has done for us and the identity that we are his children. And so I want to close with this idea, the big idea of today's message is this. The Israelites were called out of Egypt. But through Jesus, we have been called out of sin and death into his family. I want to say that again. The Israelites were called out of Egypt. They called on God. God, please rescue us. And he sent a leader who would set them free. We have been called out of sin and death and into God's family through Jesus Christ. And so you can see now, hopefully you see that like, there are so many of these stories, right? You see how each of them highlights these different aspects of God's redemption weaved all the way through scripture. But this one is a foundational piece, like the Passover celebration. And Jesus over that, I don't know if you guys knew this, but the time that Jesus did the Lord's, the Lord's Supper and when he went to the cross was during the Passover celebration in Jerusalem. Even the timing of it is perfect, that he was the Passover lamb. Jesus was born, I said this at Christmas time, Jesus was born in Bethlehem where they raised, this is so interesting, I'm, I'm like a little Bible nerd here, but like they, they, they raised the baby lamb specifically for the sacrifices in the temple in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And then when Jesus shows up, John the Baptist says to, God, says to his people, Behold, the Lamb of, the, the Lamb of God who was, came to the world to be slain. And then in other passages of Scripture, Jesus is, is identified as being the spotless Lamb, the one who was sacrificed for the sin of the world, right? Like, that's the thing. And so then we see in Jesus' last days in Jerusalem that he is 
during Passover celebration. He has this meal with his disciples and, and essentially has this Passover meal. And then he alludes the fact that he is the Passover lamb, goes to the cross, gives his life up for us, essentially covering us, the doorposts of our lives, with the, with the blood of his sacrifice that sets us free and then is risen and sets us free on Easter. I love it. It's such an incredible, like it all weaves together. And we have been set free because of what Jesus did. Um, and so I just hope that's encouraging to you during this time of uncertainty. You know, we talked at the very beginning of today that, that, that it, it's easy to be afraid. It's easy to, to feel fearful. It's easy to get stressed out. Um, it's easy to feel isolated. But we have to remember who we are, that this will pass, that God is bigger than this, that even if we're in our homes by ourselves, we can come together like this. Even if you're not able to dial in, even if something went wrong, that you can spend time alone in the presence of God and he can give you exactly what you need because you're his child. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we now have a connection with our creator. You can spend time in the most isolated place in the world, not having a connection with anyone else, and still be sustained by his power and his love and his grace and his mercy and his comfort through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That is the power of the Exodus. That is the power of the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been set free and we are called his children. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you for, for your life. I thank you for these monumental stories all throughout scripture that just over and over again paint a picture and point the way to Jesus being the fulfillment of all of it, the redemption story that we see all throughout scripture. Thank you for it. And as we get closer and closer to Easter Sunday, that that is the day we celebrate this. God, we hope that we'll be able to come together physically on that day. But even if not, we thank you that you have torn down the barriers, the walls that separate us from, from you as people. We are no longer held in slavery. We have been set free and we can have a relationship with you and a connection with you right where we are. We don't have to be in a church building somewhere. And I thank you for that. I pray that right now, every person on this call, every person who maybe even views this video and the recording later, God, that they would be encouraged, that they would, that they would feel your presence with them now, that they would say yes to you. For anyone who listens who, not, who is just not even a follower, who's been on the fence with this, but God maybe is being feeling tugged right now uh, by your presence, God, and wants to say yes, that you would encourage them, strengthen them, lift them up, and bring them into your family. God, for each one of us in this time of uncertainty, give us faith to know that you are strong, that you can be trusted, you will protect us no matter what our circumstances, financially, physically, um, emotionally, that you are there and you will sustain us, God. But also give us that sound judgment, God, wisdom to make the right decisions, um, to, to understand what's happening, to take the recommendations of those who are experts in this area, God, and to do our part to stay safe. I pray that, that you would help our church and individually, God, to to be resources for those in our community who need help 
that you would bring them to our attention and show us what we can do to help them that our people would come to you to a knowledge of your love for them and their the rescue that you will offer them um, during this season god whatever we can do to be a part of that we thank you for it in Jesus' name amen Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.